Good morning and welcome to church. We're so glad that you joined us this morning, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or YouTube or at our website. We thank you for joining us. This is about our fifth Sunday in virtual church. And, and one day we will be back together in a real building, but we're together here. This morning, you get a chance to say hello to everyone else in the chat room. Maybe just push on the, the heart or the thumbs up and say hello to everyone. Write something on the in the chat room and just say hello to everyone else here at church this morning. I'm glad you can join us. I'd ask you to open your Bibles up to the Old Testament book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 19 this morning as we begin a brand new sermon series called Do the Ten Commandments Still Matter? Over the next few weeks this morning, we're going to do an overview. We've all heard of the Ten Commandments. Maybe we see the Ten Commandments on a government building. Or, you know, you'll see somebody will have a list of them, but you don't take time to, to actually stop and read them. How many of us could recite all of the Ten Commandments in order? I know there, there's a lot of us that might be able to pick up maybe four or five of them. Maybe you don't know, okay, put your hands down. You, you don't you don't have to you don't have to write in the chat room how many Ten Commandments that you have memorized. Hopefully by the time we finish the sermon series, you'll have all of them memorized. But they're around us in our lives. Do we really pay attention to them? Are they still relevant? Do we know what they are? Do we know what they were? Do we know who it is that, that they were originally written to and what it meant to them? What's it supposed to mean to us? What's the history of the Ten Commandments mean? See, this morning we're going to look at the Ten Commandments as they were put in their original context. Because context is really everything when it comes to studying our Bible. It's really good to know exactly who the author is speaking to and why the author is speaking. And it gives us a chance then to, to start asking questions and, and, and say, you know, what, what, what is it that God is trying to say? Who is it that God was speaking with originally? What is God trying to say to us? Why did God give the Ten Commandments? Why did he lay down these rules? What is a covenant? What is a commandment? And, and do the Ten Commandments still really matter? I mean, there's some people who are going to say that, that the, the Ten Commandments, that's Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians, so we don't have to focus on the Ten Commandments. That's, that's old. Well, we're going to study that, and we're going to pay attention to that. Before we get started, it would be fair for us to go through the Ten Commandments. They're going to be up on the screen here in a moment, and I want you to follow along. I'm reading out of the NLT, and the Ten Commandments read like this. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make unto you any graven images. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your name. That's a list that God gave to his people about 5,000 years ago. 
5,000 years ago, and here we are in the 21st century, you know, and, and our communication isn't managed by tablets, it's managed by tweets. There's so much that's, that's different in our world. Do those commandments still really matter, and why should we care? I'm going to ask you to dive into Exodus chapter 19 with me this morning in a message that I've titled, You Are My People. Our story begins about 500 years before Exodus chapter 19 is written. There was a man named Joseph, and Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was sold to to like some gypsies. And they took Joseph off into Egypt. And this is the beginning of the story. It can go back further than that, but we're going to start here, and I want to give you a Cliff Notes edition of the story that leads to when we get the Ten Commandments. So stay with me, okay? So Joseph is sold to uh, some some travelers who take him down into Egypt, and, and through a series of events, he ends up, living in and being part of the the center of the palace in Egypt. And and he becomes a a figure in the the government. And we find that he tells his government there in Egypt, you better store up some food. There's a famine. So the famine comes, and people from other nations around start to come in looking for food. Some of the people who come are Joseph's brothers. The ones who actually sold him years before. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. So, a course of events, the entire family ends up moving into Egypt. Okay? And then their father, uh, their father Jacob, who is now called Israel. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. He is going to die. And then we get to the end of the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph himself is going to die. So we have these families, this family that has come to Egypt. Now, let's take a look at the book of Exodus. Over the next couple of decades, this family and these tribes that had been moved into Egypt, they start to multiply And we're going to refer to them now as Israelites. They are the the children of Jacob. And so Genesis chapter 50 ends. Exodus chapter 1 begins. There's a span of about 400 years. But we're going to look at what happened in those 400 years. That the the people, the Israelites that are now in Egypt start to become very numerous. And now you have the Pharaoh and you have the Egyptians that are saying, well, there's way too many Israelites here they're, 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 going to, they're going to overpower us. They're going to take over our land if there's so many. So there were rules that were placed. And the, the Egyptians, they took the Israelites and made them slaves. And they then started to kill off all of the male children who were born. There was a moment about 400 years after, in, in slavery, they, the, the Israelites have grown. There's a lot of them. They're enslaved now, 400 years. And there's a rule that says that all the male children are to be killed. There's one mother that did something very special. She made a basket. 
and she put her newborn son in this basket. She's Hebrew, she's um, of, the, of the Israelites, and the law is this child is supposed to be killed. She puts this child in a basket, puts him in the river. This child is found by the um, daughter of the, of the Pharaoh. And so what we have, we have this boy now named Moses grows up in the palace, becomes a leader in the, in the royal palace. Now, he has leadership, and he's eventually going to tell the, he's going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay, so we move. This is Cliff Notes version. Let my people go. Then you have the ten plagues that come. The last one would be Passover. And God said to his people, he says, you're going to put blood over your doorpost. And then the angel of death is going to come. And if they see the blood, then he's going to pass over. And anyone who does not have that, the firstborn in that house, is, is going to die. And so after that happened, the Israelites start plundering Egypt. They start plundering and taking stuff, which God had told them they could, taking things, and they head out into the desert. This is the beginning of the Exodus. They're going to leave their slavery, and they're going to go, and Moses is going to lead them. So now we have almost 3 million people who are leaving what they knew in a world of slavery. They have no official government. They have no real leadership. They don't know where they're going. They head out and they come to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They see his power. They, they go through the Red Sea. The Red Sea collapses. And now they're out wandering. And it's time for God to make his grand appearance to his people. That's what we're going to find in Exodus chapter 19. So two months after the people left their captivity, left slavery, and headed out, two months after that happened, we come to chapter 19 of the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles with me, I'd ask you to or if you have your Bibles with you, read with me. Exodus chapter 19, we are in verse number 1. It says, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephaim, they, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles, eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So they're at the bottom of the mountain, Mount Sinai. God calls Moses up. They have this conversation. God says, Moses, I want you to go down and, and tell the people, just tell them this specifically. If you obey my commandments, you will be my special treasure. You will be my prized possession. Why is it so important? 
that we start out Exodus chapter 19 with these words from God. It's really important because what God is saying is, I'm not sending my people on a wild goose chase out here in the desert. I actually have a plan. And I'm going to allow them to achieve this plan. It's all spelled out, but obedience is necessary. God was, is, and always is willing to lead his people to himself. That's what God is telling them. He's saying, I'm leading you. I've led you out of Egypt to myself. Verse number five is so important here. When God says, if you will obey me and keep my commandments, you'll be a special treasure. You'll be my special treasure uh, among all of the peoples of the earth. So we learn here that, that God is going to make a covenant with his people. They're at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And he wants to make a, a promise. And he uses the word covenant. We don't use the word covenant very much in our modern day language. A covenant it is a, it's a, a promise of binding. I want you to think of wedding vows. Okay, It's a, it's a joint um, union. It's, it's a, a connection. It's a promise, almost an agreement between two parties. But it can be initiated by a party. This covenant is conditional. God has conditions to his people. He says, I, you will be my special treasure if, that's so important, if you keep my commandments. But why is that? Why is there an if? Well, because God has a plan. God has a plan for his people. His plan is this. You follow my lead and I'm going to take you to where I've promised to take you. I'm going to take you to this place that I have prepared for you. If you follow your own path, that leads to destruction. I have a plan and I have a path. It's for you. If you follow my instructions, you're going to get there. Sound familiar? In our lives, if we follow God's instructions, we're going to get there. See, God says it's amazing how Content that he puts in the Bible that's thousands of years old is still relevant to you and I today. Jesus, in his day, he trained up 12 men. He had these disciples that he was discipling, he was training, he was teaching, and then he sent them out. He sent the apostles out, and their job was to go out and tell people in other lands about Jesus. See, on a grander scale, that's what God is doing here. God is telling the Israelites, I want to train you, and I want you then to go and be my priests among all of the other nations and tell everybody in the world, but you have to be trained. And you have to be obedient. Obedience is so important. I want you to go and influence the world. If. Let's read on. We're in Exodus chapter 19. We're in verse number 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord 
told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on, the, on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundary. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then my people may go up on the mountain. God has more to say, but he's given these instructions. He's telling Moses, go prepare my people to listen to me. See, his people aren't simply going to listen when they're busy in their everyday lives. Moses is preparing them to listen. You think about listening to God's voice or listening for God's voice. Sometimes we'll say, I don't don't hear God's voice. Have we prepared to listen for him? Have Have we stopped what we were doing and focused? That's what Moses is doing. He's going to tell the people, let's prepare to listen to God. Come back with me. We are in verse number 14. So Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship, and they washed their clothes. He told them, get ready for the third day, and until then, abstain from having sexual intercourse. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from the ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. This is probably one of the most grand entrances of all time. I know you've been to maybe a graduation ceremony or you go somewhere where there's a special speaker. And you'll have somebody will come out and they'll read you all of the books that our speaker has written and he's won all of these awards and please welcome and then everyone claps, right? This is a grand entrance. Thunder, lightning, the mountain is trembling. This is God's entrance. You think that God just comes in with just this whisper? No, he wants to talk to his people and he wants them to pay attention and prepare to listen to what he has to say. That is an amazing entrance. But before he starts his conversation with his people, he wants to have another side conversation with Moses. Let's uh, let's listen in on that conversation. We're in verse number 21. Then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundary to see the Lord, or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. Watch this, verse number 23. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, 
Mark off a boundary and all around the mountain to set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through and approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord said. I want you to realize something here. God told Moses three times, don't let the people come up on the mountain. Now Moses, probably, he could sit back and he said, he could say, well, why? How come? Why? Why don't you want them coming up on the mountain? God says it three, he says it three times because it's so important. And, and the second time, Moses told God, he's like, God, we talked about that? And you already told me, we made a barrier. And God still told them again because it was so important. How many times does God have to talk to us before we finally listen? How many times does God continue to repeat his rules because it's important? Like, we might be obeying his commands already, but it doesn't mean that he's not going to remind us of his commands. He's going to remind us, even if we know he wants to tell you because it's that important. That he wants to come and tell you again and again. And like Moses, you can say, God, you already told me that. He's going to tell you again. Why? Because it's important. Because it's God's plan. It's not our plan. You know what happens when you and I tell God something, and then we tell him again, and we keep telling God what we're going to do, and we can't get it done? How many of you have done that? You know that we've done that. Like, I, can't, I keep telling God, and he's not listening. Because he does, he's not listening for your voice. You're listening for his voice. And if you listen, he might be telling you the same thing over and over and over, because it's important. God's ready to speak to his people for the first time. He sent Moses back down the mountain to talk to everyone that's outside this boundary, okay? So just imagine the mountain and there's police tape all the way around it, okay? And so they have to stay behind the police tape. Maybe they're listening on loudspeakers or whatever. Well, God's loud enough. He doesn't need a loudspeaker. So what we have now is Moses and Aaron up there talking to God. And we have the people down at the mountain Prepared now to listen to God, and at the top, God is getting ready to speak. He wants to talk to his people and make a grand announcement to everyone. He's ready to talk to his people all together for the first time since they've been taken out of Egypt. It's a big deal. This is what everyone has been waiting for. Everyone came to the mountain because they wanted to hear what God had to say. It's because you went to that seminar because you wanted to hear from that one speaker. And now he's coming to the stage and he's been introduced and the crowd quiets down and everyone is ready to listen to what God is about to say. What he says is in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read you this. Then God gave the people these instructions. He starts with this. I am the Lord your God. That's where our story is going to end today. Right there. All the people are around the mountain. Moses and Aaron up on the mountain. The first thing that God says to them. Once everyone is listening, is, 
I am the Lord your God. Now, everything else after this is so powerful. God has the attention of his people. I hope in your heart that you are listening for God. I hope in your heart that you are preparing time to be with God. That we're preparing ourselves for worship. If we just rush in to my time with God, if your time with God, if we rush in with the entire day just around us like nonsense and, and, and our phones and buzzers going off, right? How can we come to God when we're bringing our world into our sanctuary? We need to prepare ourselves to be with God, to truly hear what he has to say. God has something to say. He has a lot to say. Some people would say, Pastor, this is all Old Testament stuff. We're New Testament Christians. Like, get off it. Like, we don't care. We need to care. We really need to care. I want to show you something that Jesus said when it comes to the Ten Commandments. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to put this up on the screen for you. I'm going to close with this. We're looking at a story in the book of Mark, chapter 17. Jesus is talking to a rich man. Okay? Mark, I'm sorry, we're in chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10, verse number 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, and you must not uh, testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He says, there is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor, then you will have treasures in heaven. Watch this. Then come, follow me. The Ten Commandments aren't going to save anyone. Our salvation is not based on rules. Some people will say, I can, I can live by all the Ten Commandments. I can go without lying. I can go without lusting. I can go without, I can, I can do this. I can go without murdering. Like, I'm going to, I'm just going to obey the Ten Commandments and I'm good. The Ten Commandments never got anyone to heaven. If you're, if you are, are banking on following the Ten Commandments to make it into heaven, hell is going to be a dark reality for eternity. They are, however, guidelines. There's a lot of guidelines in the Bible. There's so many guidelines that we no, we're, we're not upset that there's guidelines. We're thankful that there's guidelines. Because you know what these do? They're not here to, they're, they're not here to take away our freedom. They're here to give us protection. Jesus referred to all of the Ten Commandments in the New Testament, every single one of them. 
So Jesus and his disciples at that point, they recognized the Ten Commandments as being authoritative. You and I need to recognize the Ten Commandments as having the authority that God needed them, wanted them, expected them to have. We're going to start in looking at them in depth next week, but I want you to know this. As you and I are one of the people in the crowd of Israelites looking up on the mountain and seeing the smoke and the thunder and the lightning and, and seeing God coming down, I want you to know that he is talking to us. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. This is not simply a story for history. This is guidelines for Christian living. There's only one point in your notes this morning. For those of you who have been with us for quite a while, you know that typically there's three or four points in each sermon. Today there is only one point in your notes, and it is this. We should care about the Ten Commandments because God gave them. That's why we should care about them. Because God gave them. Would it be fair to say that we should care about everything that God has given? He's given us bread. He's given us life. He's given us food. He's given us family, health. He's given us an ability to worship him. We should care about every single thing that God gives. And this is something that God gave. We should care. These commandments are so important. These commandments are, they're, they're the basis of our Christian living. They don't save you, but they will help protect. That's what they're for. God wants to send his people, all of those people at the base of the mountain, he wants to train them as priests, and he wants to send them to other nations so that they can tell other nations about God. But he wants them to be an influence on the other nations. He wants everyone to be able to show God through their actions. How familiar does that sound? To you and I, don't we want to show Jesus through our actions? Wow, do you see the connection to the Old Testament? Yeah, we need to be paying attention. It's intentional that God is doing the same thing that Jesus would do with the 12 disciples. He wants to send people out. He wants to send you and I out. He wants us to go out into the public and tell people about him, but show others by our actions. If you and I walk into our communities and we're, we want to tell people about Jesus, but we're breaking these commandments like crazy in our lifestyle, what does that say about us? More than that, what does it say about Jesus? Our actions reflect our Savior. Our actions have to be based on something. They must be based as a Christian. Christian living must be based on the Word of God. 
I want you to find that thumbs up. Click that, click that heart. Christian living must be based on the words of God. These are the words of God. I'm going to ask you before we meet again next, I'm going to ask you to read Exodus chapter 20. And you're going to read the Ten Commandments, and you're going to read other material there. And we're going to go by these commandments one by one, because they're each focused on a different area of our Christian life. And they are each interpreted differently in our modern-day culture. We're going to see how we live the Ten Commandments under quarantine, how we live the Ten Commandments in our world, this is going to be a great series. Now, here's my next challenge to you. Between now and next week, I want you to read the Ten Commandments five times, okay? We're going to go back to school when you wrote your spelling words five times. I want you to read them out loud five times. Because by the time we're done with this sermon series, I want us all to be able to memorize and repeat the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, I want you to do this. If you can do it now without reading, I want you to take your phone and record yourself reading the Ten Commandments and then post it to the church Facebook page or you can email it to me at pastor at harrisvalleycc.com. As a church, we are going to learn these commandments. Are they still important? Yeah, they're really important. They're not going to save you. They're going to protect you. And they're going to help you show Jesus to others. Will you pray with me?